Welcome back to Be More Super, the podcast, where we explore the world of entertainment with celebrity interviews from your favorite movies and TV shows. So grab your popcorn and let's get to know these stars better and what really makes them super. We are brought to you by PropStore.com, where you can find your very own piece of entertainment memorabilia from screen use props to costumes. Now, here's your host, Brian Garner. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've got a great guest. I'm really, really excited. From The Sandman on Netflix to Ghost the Musical on Broadway and The West End to now The Ark from Sci-Fi streaming on Peacock. Richard, welcome to the show, sir. (laughs) Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes, everything's working so far. And I'm super excited. This series looks absolutely awesome epic but before we talk about the arc uh, a few questions about you and 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 your journey up to the arc if that's all right so sure. the past the past two years have been quite uh grilling to say the least especially as a performer like yourself uh with the pandemic so how have you kept positive and and keep moving forwards over the last two years of this difficult yeah. times do you know what i um I mean, obviously, most of my friends, my fiance, my parents, most of the people in my life are actors. So I know more than most the effect that uh, COVID had on this industry in every sense. I mean, things couldn't film the way they usually film uh, theatre. I mean, Jesus, like the West mm-hmm. End and Broadway just closed for, for I think, the first time ever for that amount of time. So it, was, it decimated a, a huge part of the industry. And for whatever reason... I must have done something in a past life. For whatever reason, I I, I actually managed to work consistently. O- other than the lockdown, um, I actually ha- got some really, really lovely jobs. And I feel bad saying that because uh, I'm aware that um, that it was it was really tough. And I've got friends and, and uh, in fact, you know, my other half as well, who um, it was a, a real hiatus and a real adjustment period. And for whatever reason, because um, that's sometimes even with the best will in the world, even when when everything's going, sometimes you just as an actor, that's just not the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really fortunate and I managed to kind of string a few jobs together through um, through COVID. But it was a very, very different time uh, to be filming things mm-hmm. because just the protocol that was involved. We, I mean, on Sandman, for instance, we had uh, PCR testing every single day and they came to the house even when you weren't filming. Like mm. such a desire not to. Is that a picture of uh, a, yeah, a pops up there um yes yeah, so they, they they would a nurse would come to the house every two days so if you even if you had two weeks off from filming you're still so i it was a bizarre time you know to mm. have like ambulances turn up and couriers and stuff taking off bits of your snot to go and get tested every couple of days like just what a weird thing but we all just adjusted didn't we we actually had to sit on set with these um these dog collar things so they you know like when a dog goes to the vet and they mm. don't want to scratch yeah so We'd, we'd be doing a scene and it would all be completely normal. And then they'd say cut and we'd go back to the actor's pen as it literally was because there was chairs in like yellow police tape around it. So you couldn't <laughs> couldn't come in or out. And then we'd have to put these because they couldn't have masks because obviously there's like people have makeup on and whatever else. So they had these neck braces that had a, a pers- uh, is it perspex, the pl- mm. see-through plastic that came up in a cone. So we all felt like dogs who'd just uh, been neutered at the vet for, for the time that we were on that job. Um, yeah, just a totally bizarre time. 
really really mm. strange. I mean, I mean, I've got to say, I mean, I suppose suppose it is bizarre uh, now because you're so used to wearing masks on set, and and I interviewed uh, an actor from Snowpiercer, and while I was interviewing him, he had a knock on the door in his apartment. And it was, I think it was the police or something like that. This this is in Canada. And they came to do his test and then to make sure he's staying in his apartment, that he hasn't moved out of his apartment because they had wow. a complete lockdown. And he actually took the lap, laptop to the front door. So I witnessed it all. It's crazy. But isn't it nice, though, now everything is lifted to an extent where we can get back to business. You know, the theatres are opening. Uh, I just hope that more people go back to the theatre because I think it's one of, one of these magical places where the art of word and the art of, you know, uh, you know, the craft, um, you know, needs to be appreciated. And, you know, I know so many play playwrights that have, have started to have shows now in LA, um, you know, being put on. And it's just nice to see. Um, I mean, why acting? I mean, it's one of the most competitive industries to get into. It's not a normal nine to five job. And you started that no. so young. So, so what yeah. got you into ac acting? I know both your parents are very well known in the UK for acting mm. uh, on Brookside and Coronation Street and many other things. I mean, was it them that influenced you to get into the family biz business or was it your your decision? You know, I've, I've thought about this, especially as I've got older and um, have more perspective over it. Um, I guess it's that argument of nature versus nurture. I mean, some, mm. some, some would argue that um, just by dint of having their genetics, maybe I was going to have a natural inclination. And then I think there's also probably much more to be said for the fact that I just grew up around it. So my earliest memories were being picked up from school and maybe I'd be go to set and do my homework in the green room while my mum was filming or I'd, I don't know, be taken to a theatre, the Royal Exchange or something in, in Manchester and I'd be in the green room there while my dad was on stage and it, actors and the business and everything were just, that was what I like. And obviously just because my parents have been actors for many, many years by the time I came along, all of their friends are actors and so... Mm -hmm. I was just surrounded by the business for since I can remember, um, which I guess can work both ways because so many kids rebel and go, I don't want to do anything that my parents do. It's so uncool. Mm. Uh, but I, that didn't happen for me. I got, I just got completely taken with the world and, and, uh, and obviously music ran alongside for me. And um, so that, I think that was why it happened so young. And I think a lot of people I speak to as well about going into this business, one of the biggest hurdles of getting into the industry is is knowing that it's even possible. You mm. know, a lot, a lot of people say to me, well, they grew up until the age of like 18 when they had the first idea that maybe they could go to drama school and actually mm. do this thing. And then, you know, if their dad's a, an electrician and their mom's a, a, a whatever, the idea of going to be an actor is like this thing, this magical thing that happens on the telly or on stage. How could I ever actually do it? But that was never the case for me because... I guess I knew from from the outset that it was it was something that people do, mm. and it isn't a nine to five by any means. Um, it's it is it is always going to be a bit of a strange, gypsy esque life. You know, you you mm. go where the work is. One minute you don't know if you're going to be working, for instance, you don't know where you're going to be working, and that's the, that's the downsides. But the, the upsides to it is it's it's hugely. That's my cat. I apologize. She's, she's that yelling. is Luna, is it? 
That's Luna. She's just letting everyone know she agrees with with what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it has great upsides because it allows you, for all of those bad sides, you know, not knowing where you're going to be, not knowing who you're going to be working with, not knowing mm. if you're going to be working. Um, there's a great amount of freedom that comes with that. And it's slightly unnerving and slightly scary. But when it's good, it's really good. No. I mean, you started out really, really young on a show in the UK, uh, which is been going for decades called coronation street which i think everyone knows what what show that is in the uk so all the american and canadian listeners it's literally the backbone of the uk it really really is i mean i think they'll know about it in canada yeah a lot of the cast a lot of the cast used to go and do this thing once a year they choose a couple of people and they take them over there for a big tour of canada it was everyone wanted to do it because it was quite I think it was quite well paid, but also like they had a really good time. Wow, and, I, didn't uh, so know I, think, that. I think it's quite big in Canada. Yeah, I oh, could wow. be wrong about. That. <laughs> well, we'll soon see. If anyone knows, please comment on on this video. Um, but you started at the age, if I'm right, at twelve on the show. Is that yeah. correct? I mean, yeah, yeah. obviously, being on that show for so long and learning your craft, I suppose, during that time, how difficult was that transition when you left the show? to move on to other things because being in something for so long I suppose that you become a bit secure a bit you feel a bit safe and mm. it's like you moving house it's like moving a relationship you know how was that transition for for you and breaking that mold because it can be difficult for soap actors to to move on to other things for sure yeah I mean I think it was it was for all those reasons that you just listed that um because I started in the show when I was 12, so I was just a kid, and I, mm. it was great. You know, I was just like, ah, this is amazing. I went in as a child, so there's no pressure. I didn't feel any of that feeling of going, I'm going into the biggest show in the UK that's been running for 50 years. You know, mm. it's, a, it's an absolute institution. I was just like, yeah, great. Means I can get out of school, <laughs> and I can, you know, just go and film in the day. I just, I, I remember not being nervous at all, which is just not the case as you get older. You, you mm. overthink, you worry. Um, and you have all of that pressure and that baggage and that expectation. So that was the freedom of being a kid. But I was very aware that as I got older in the show, um, two things were going to happen. One, I was going to start getting comfortable. And that job more than any, because it just rolls and rolls and rolls, and there is no end point, which doesn't really exist in any other part of the industry, mm. um, that can become a little bit nine to five It can, because the security there, which just you don't get security if you're an actor so that's that is very tempting um but it comes at a cost and it was a cost i wasn't willing to necessarily uh take at such a young age so i i made the decision to leave when i was 16 because i thought by the, when you're 16 in the industry you're treated as uh, an adult so mm. you don't have to have a chaperone you can work full hours and all of that stuff so i left just after i turned 16 and uh everybody said you know it's going to be tough to shed this because it's just an enormous institution um but i i didn't look at it like i wanted to turn my back on it or i've never pretended that that's not where i started out i've always said i'm so grateful for everything that show gave me because it was it was the best drama school i could have wished for you know it was there was no minute to mess around there was you couldn't turn up not knowing your stuff you couldn't be late this thing is going to keep rolling and there's people who've been there for 30 years and they're going to mm. tell you a strip off if you don't know what you're doing and on the plus side you know everybody's watching it in the in the country it was a very big deal and we had crazy times when like ian mckellen would come in and do a stint on it and and who gets to work with ian mckellen when they're 13 years old do you know what i mean Amazing. so it was it was great 
great, 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 offered me great opportunities. And um, I was under no illusions that when I left, it was it was going to be tough. And I always, I, I said recently, I was doing an interview. I think the way you can think when you leave a show like that, because you're, you do have a little bit of um, fame for that show. So maybe you can be under the false pretense that that's going to benefit you in the outer, in the outside world. But for whatever reason, I can't, I, I viewed it as the opposite quite rightly, I think now looking back at it, but I was like, I'm starting at minus three. So mm. all my decisions from this point in need to try and be as credible as possible. I need to stick, stay clear of certain things. You know, I need to maybe try and break the mold in certain ways just to do the unexpected, just because then people go, Oh, that's not what I thought that kid from Corey was going to do. And then that allows you maybe to slightly break the mold and the next one to break the mold. And, and as you go on and here I am sort of coming up to, I don't know, a decade and a half later, maybe a bit more. Oh God, it's going, <laughs> it's going fast. Um, I, I look back and I'm, you know, I have been very lucky. I've been able to work in all different genres and different types of things. And, and for that, I'm very, very grateful. But yeah, it's, I don't know, winging a prayer, still, still <laughs> winging. And then, and then obviously, you know, you leave the cobbles of the street and then you you know you're still in this industry that's the most competitive in the world and then you decide to go into music um i mean soap soap, soap star superstar um yeah. you know you win that on uk tv uh, at such a young age and then you get signed by universal and you mm. go into music is there anything that you can't do because you know you act you've got an awesome voice absolutely awesome i was watching a video uh, the the other day uh, is it let's stay together i think it is oh yeah that you did and oh mate it's like butter honestly it's just Thanks. amazing um so and then not only do you get a music career literally you don't do things by halves you tour with elton john um yeah. which is one of my idols i just think he's just yeah, amazing what was that experience like because you were quite young again you know in the music industry and yeah. normally you know support acts support you know smaller acts but you just go straight for the top i mean what was that experience like well it's i mean i guess to the outside it looked very much like i turned you know i did that show um hey there's Elton. <laughs> and uh and suddenly, oh, now he's going to do music. But like anything in, in life, isn't it? It's, it? People always say, oh, they're an overnight sensation, but they've been doing that thing for the best part of 20 years. It's just that all of a sudden it's known to the public. And I had a very frank conversation with my mum, actually, when that job came around. Um, and I'd always wanted to be a musician. So I started playing piano and guitar when I was mini, mini, mini. And uh, singing was always in our house. Everybody sang. Um I mean, it wasn't it wasn't just like the Von Trapps, but you get the idea. You know what mm. I mean? So like it was it was just a very musical <laughs> and theatrical upbringing, and so I was always I always knew that was part of my life. And the show came around, and I was very much wary of doing it because it wasn't reality TV in the true sense because it was all people who are actors and they're just singing for charity and stuff. But it still kind of was, and I was worried about what that would mean in the, in the long term. And my mom said, "Look." You've always said you wanted to be a musician and a singer. You've got an opportunity to sing and let millions of people know that's what you love and 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 you can do. And if you turn your nose up at it, maybe you're going to be singing in your bedroom for the next however many years. So I, so I went for it, and uh, it turned out to be an amazing thing. You know, it was it was such a, a crazy ride. Um, I'll be honest with you that the, the 
the level of fame that Corey had brought was kind of manageable at that age. They were very good mm. at protecting me and I was still in school. I had a very kind of as normal as it could be, but pretty normal childhood. But the second that show hit, things went to a completely different level. And that was a little unsettling, a little a little bit um hard to navigate because I was still I was still so young, you know, I was 16 mm. years old. So I found that pretty difficult. And I, I remember saying to my mum, I just want to fade away in the background for a little bit. And then was really lucky, started having some meetings with record labels and Universal uh, signed me. And I went away and wrote an album for a, for about a year and then started kind of releasing stuff. And um, Elton Elton got in touch through his management and said, would he like, because I, I, I was playing piano and I guess he kind of, I don't know, he, he's very on the pulse with, with new music coming out. And he, he invited me on the road for a few shows. And then on the final night of that, he took me into the dressing room and I thought it was goodbye. You know, I just had the best time. And then he said, no, come and do the whole whole of the summer tour, which for an 18 year old, 19 year old, mm. is just like a ridiculous way to spend uh, six months, you know, on tour with Ellen. And he was my hero for, for since I was growing up. I remember my first ever gig was watching him uh, at the MEN arena when I was seven years old. And I actually opened f for him at the MEN arena, uh, which was a very weird, turn of events like i guess what 11 12 years later so i mean i saw him uh live um where was it i think it was um lincoln showground and someone said in the audience apparently his drummer is the same drummer he's taken around round with him everywhere and he wears yeah. white gloves uh yeah. when when he drums and he looks about 90 years old and he's awesome um they're all, so they're all the same boys yeah they're, they've been oh. there for years amazing bands yeah yeah it's just it's just literally amazing and he keeps on going because um it's my dream uh, well I couldn't get tickets for Elton John and Billy Joel when they did the Jewel Jewel and Pianos tour because Billy Joel for me is again another another dream to to be able, be able to watch watch live it really really is um and then obviously you moved um oh I've got to mention as well you've you've worked with Sting um uh, which yeah. I just think phenomenal. I've got a picture here as well of you um, on on it's like, stage this is here. Your life. <laughs> it is, isn't it? This is your life. Um, the McGann uh, is that Joe McGann? That's Joe McGann, yeah. Because I always get them confused. Like literally, oh, I think they've got to an age man. where they look all the same. I'm sure that's the Joe McGann. He was in a show called The Upper Hand. Uh, yeah. which was a show oh, yeah. because I went to go and see the live recording when, when I was a kid. It was with Honor Blackman, uh, right. and he was awesome. I mean, what was that w working like? Uh, what, what, what was that like with Sting? Because he, he seems such a down-to-earth man. He really does. He's just a legend, isn't he? He's just a, a, a bit like Elton, you know, just a, a hero of mine growing up, and then to get the chance to to work with him and, and to sing and play music and stuff and, and be in that proximity to someone you respect so much. And he's mm. like a fiercely intelligent man. So charismatic and uh, yeah, just a super, super cool, cool time. Very, very proud of that. Yeah. That's all again, another tick off the bucket list. I mean, I mean, you yeah. couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get any higher. And then you moved to LA uh, for a year. Is that, is that correct? Was that, was that New for, York? Uh, was, was it New York? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mean ghost? Uh, no, it's. Um, oh. I I heard in a previous interview that you moved to LA at some point. Yeah, uh, I do. I've I've spent quite a bit of time there. On and off. <laughs> you've been everywhere, New York, LA. <laughs> you've been doing a tour uh, because I wanted to ask because a lot a lot of actors think that 
LA is paved with gold. And yeah. for a British actor to go over to the States, how hard is it, um, you know, to make it over there compared to over here in the way of the business? I think it's all about context. So I, I so I, just to give you some context of where I was at, um, so I just finished a run in in New York and I got signed with a, a pretty um, esteemed agent from Los Angeles off the back of that. So I'm 22 and they were like, come out to LA. So I was just thinking, well, what happens now is obviously I've just finished, I'm a lead in the show in, in Broadway. I'm gonna go out there, I've got this big time agent and then that's it, that's life then. I'm gonna go and, you know. And what I didn't realize is that the East Coast to the West Coast, it might as well not exist. So when, and, and, and for the first time in my life, I was going into audition rooms with people who had absolutely no idea who I was. So I don't even mean they knew who I was or knew my work, but at least in, in England, the opener would be like, uh, how's your mom? Or, uh, oh, Richard, yeah, I know that name, Fleischman. Oh, yeah, I've worked with your dad 20 years ago, right? There was an icebreaker of some kind. And then they were British, so there was usually some kind of back and forth of, of being friendly or like, having a chat or let's talk about the character or something. Um, or on a good day, I've just seen you in that, you know, and that's a great icebreaker. This was a whole new world where all of a sudden uh, they didn't know me from Adam. Uh, there was no icebreakers. They just didn't care that I'd been in on on stage. It was like if it doesn't happen in in LA, then it it didn't happen. And I didn't enjoy it one bit. I I, I was very thrown by the whole thing. Um, so I can I decided to come back after about three months, and uh, it wasn't a very successful trip at all. Mm. Uh, it had been particularly sort of. I mean, I had a time in my life. I was twenty two, and I was I was living living it up. But it on, on, from professional sense it was really uh yeah very sort of stark difference to anything i had known before um but that doesn't mean to say that the industry works differently it's just that um it has it just has a different vibe it just has a different mm. way of running you know this obviously we're a smaller place so it's a slightly smaller industry but i have so many friends who they really respect the british out there in terms of we have a really great uh, system of drama schools and, and things like that. Doesn't exist in the same way in the states. Obviously, you've got amazing drama schools. You've got your Juilliards and, and wherever else. But on mass, people move to Los Angeles mm. with the dream of being an actor, and there's no thought of oh, I must enroll in a drama school. Maybe they'll go to one of the many drama centers in LA and do their acting class and things like that. But it's just a kind of different system. So. Um, I think there is a respect for that, and especially all of like the Shakespeare background that the drama school gives, and there's just an English, there's a weight to English um, mm. theatre, and we obviously we've got some amazing actors and stuff, um, but it's completely doable, and it's more doable now than it's ever been. Like America is more accessible than it's ever been because the industry during COVID changed completely dramatically, and now ninety percent of the things you'd ever audition for would be over self tape, mm. so. I was in LA last week and uh, it's the first time I've been back since COVID and it does feel a little bit different because I think a lot of people have done what so many people in this industry have done is realized they don't need to be an hour, like within an hour of the places they're going to be auditioning anymore. They can move a bit further out. They can go and live it's a nice life. It's all about the self-tape, isn't it? It's all it's about... all about the self-tape, yeah. Yeah. And so that's it's changed. 
which which I think is losing the art of the audition because I, I, I suppose when you're in the room with the cast casting directors, producers, they've got then a chance that if they see something in you to ask you to do something slightly different or do a different take on it. I suppose a mm. self-tape, on the other hand, you can get the best version yourself that you think is your best ver- ver- version and get that across. But obviously the dominoes are falling all in the right place because literally the arc looks amazing uh if you could tell us a bit about the show uh who you play uh yeah and a bit about this awesome adventure that we're all going to experience so as you just said we've got dean devlin and jonathan glasner who for anyone who's up on their sci-fi knows it's just two huge huge names in in the sci-fi world and um i'll just quickly tell you basically the premise of this show which is quite exciting is space has been explored a lot Obviously, we know all of the usual suspects, the Star Trek, the Star Wars and stuff. But this one is slightly different in the sense that we find ourselves somewhere in the future, but not too distant, maybe, I don't know, 100 years ballpark. And the Earth is uh, no longer inhabitable for what reasons we won't go into. Maybe we'll find out through the series. Maybe we won't. And uh, we've all decided as a race that we need to... Uh, build these ships called the Arcs, which are going to take selected individuals to our nearest uh, planet, Proxima B. And it's going to take, I think, off the top of my head, we did we finished filming about six months ago. I think it was about five years is what it was planned, cryogenically frozen. And then what happens in the very first scene of the very first episode is a huge accident in space. Everybody wakes up and when they realize and manage to get their stuff together, they realize very quickly that the whole wing of the ship that was going to hold all the people who are going to be the government, all the captains, anyone basically with any rank and any authority and knew what they were doing is gone. So there's three highest ranking people on the ship and that's me. I play uh, captain uh, Lieutenant James Bryce. Then there is Christy Burke who plays Sharon Garnett. And there is Reese Ritchie who plays Spencer Lane, and we are the three uh, lieutenants, and we happen to be the highest ranking members, but that's not particularly high ranking mm. uh, lieutenants. And we're essentially, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies in, in space, you know? It's like, what the what? hell? That was you? exactly what I thought about. Lord, Lord of the Flies, you know, you, you know, when I, I read up about it, I just thought that it was going to be a bit like that. Well, if you're yeah. going to say it's going to be a bit like that, we're going to be in for a wild ride because we all know what yeah. happens in that film. Um, I mean, what attracted you to the part of Bryce? Um, you know, when you got the the information through from your a- 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 agent, what made you want to go for this role? Well, I mean, the thing is about about Bryce is he's just like, I mean, he's a cocksure, he's Scottish kind of full of bravado. Um, He was described as the first one to put himself in the line of fire, you know, uh, kind of, his name's James Bryce. And I always think, were they kind of doing a play on a James Bond sort of thing? I think he, I think in his head, he's James Bond. He's not quite as cool as that. (laughs) Nowhere near as cool as that. Wait a second. Um, You, you, you will get some rumors going on. Do you know what I mean, I, Richard I, uh, Fleishman? For away. yeah, the for the next away. James Bond. <laughs> I would just love to be in the rumor mill. I don't think it's. I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so he's he's just a he's a very cool character because I think I going through my normal day, I do worry about stuff. I'm not like full of bravado the whole time. I am. I do get stressed out about 
little things and he doesn't he's 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 kind of got that swagger and uh that's just always a joy to be able to put that skin on for a while and, and play a guy like that you know i mean on the show and in the trailer uh, there's a lot of action and a lot of special effects i mean how fun mm. was it being on set with all that action i mean what was the most enjoyable thing about working on the show for me for me genuinely uh this job more than any it, sometimes you roll up to a set and it doesn't look much different to a live any living room you've ever been in any pub you've ever been in it can be quite a, an ordinary room that you know what happens in it might be exciting but the place you're actually filming is very mundane whereas here the set is so special you know we i was getting to live all my childhood fantasies of, of being in a a control bridge and fly <laughs> i'm i mean i'm i'm the pilot of the spaceship so that's his job that's what he does so to get to do those scenes where i'm flying spaceships and you know trying to i mean i'm not going to give any spoilers away but but doing all kind of maneuvers and trying to save the day and and not to mention little things just like the first time you walk through a door and it goes and you walk through it and he goes behind you there's no cooler feeling you know i grew up as a kid watching these kind of shows thinking that must be amazing and um suddenly you're there doing it and it's like no it's, it was it was i said re i said recently with dean it was like every day was like we got a new set of toys to play with it was mm -hmm. it was very very fun and you actually filmed the show in serbia which yeah. you know i know hungary is quite common and budapest i mean the the film in halo at the mo mo moment for the second season but i've never heard of serbia being like a a sort of go go-to place i mean what was the experience like shooting there and what was it like when you finished for the day or night you know going out i mean what was the place like to be in well so yeah basically i got a full history lesson when i got there so essentially when serbia was part of yugoslavia they were a really uh um, they had a, a very ambitious leader who wanted to it was obsessed with filmmaking so they have these incredible backlots which were essentially when it got disbanded in main serbia they were like what we're going to do we've got this amazing like history of cinema these incredible backlots and this amazing culture of of training crew and everything and so it is just starting to get on the world stage a bit more like um the new knives out film just shot there just before just as we arrived they were leaving so mm -hmm. have you seen glass onion that was filming out Do you know there. what i haven't yet all my friends are saying you've got to watch it but you know it's getting really it's, it's, get, it's getting the time um yeah. I, i've got to say but how amazing is that though i mean you know what what what, what was it like when you wasn't filming i mean did you go out did, did you have a few amazing. beers oh my god that, that city loves loves to party you know it, it runs along two uh, rivers the danube and the sava and uh it's 40 degree heat every day which mm. we, we were filming inside and it's fully air conditioned stage so yes it's not great if you had exterior shots and you're in 40 degree heat and you're there that would be difficult but because we're all in a spaceship so it can be a completely controlled environment we never had to worry about being too hot on set but the second you come out it was just like shorts t-shirt straight down to the river they've got a real uh, sort of parisian uh, cafe culture don't get me wrong i wouldn't want to film there in the winter when it's four foot of snow <laughs> but in the summer i had a whale of a time absolutely loved so it, basically yeah. a working holiday then so you go in there to enjoy yourself you're working 85 percent of the time and when you're not working you're trying to cram in lines for the 12 scenes you got the following day but that said you still what's amazing is in in their country they don't 
even contemplate working Saturdays. So we always had a Saturday, Sunday. So, which is quite unusual. Sometimes you, you film six days a week. And, um, so it was amazing. We used to go out as a full cast. This cast got on really well, like from top to bottom. We used to, we used to party pretty hard actually. So it was, it was great, man. We had a great, great time. Oh, I'm sure there's some stories there. Uh, but going on to the showrunners, I, I heard in an interview that you did recently as well, that Jonathan and Devlin gave you all backstories um, to keep secret from each other, which I think is genius because it keeps the other cast members on their toes. I mean, what was that like to have that backstory and to have to keep that secret from the other cast members? Well, what was good about it from a kind of, from an actor point of view is that uh, mine in particular, a couple of other people I'm not going to mention because uh, they are integral plot points and I don't want to give anything away, but um, they really informed who he is and why he behaves the way he is and also who he's going to become. And uh, we all have quite significant arcs in this. <laughs> Excuse the pun. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, but you know, uh, James has a, a very, very significant arc and... Um, it was kind of revealed to me on the very first day. Um, I didn't know that everyone else was in the same position. Or not, listen, not everybody, but certain vital people with very big backstories were. Um, and we were told to keep it secret, which was quite fun because as things started to unveil, as more and more scripts started to arrive, and people were like, this doesn't make sense unless you know. Do you know? I don't know. And it was like the whole <laughs> whodunit kind of thing. Um, but it was good. It was, it was a really cool way of working. <laughs> and then obviously you work alongside some great actors, Christy Burke and obviously Reese uh, as, as, as well. I've got a picture of them both. Um, hopefully they weren't like this all the time. Um, they were like that all the time. Well, that's actually how they look. Yeah, it's just have to go through two hours of makeup every morning to try and make it look normal. Yeah, bless them. Well, when I get Christy on the show next week, if she's not looking like that, I'll be slightly disappointed. Uh, uh, she, she won't be. She'll be obnoxiously <laughs> good looking as will Reese. Um, now that we we do, you know what we had we had a ball. It was it was a really tight knit group, and none more so than the three of us. We kind of we had a bit of a. A fellowship of the ring on the very first day and we all got together the me me reese and christy at my apartment we just went this is going to be really tough like this is a hell of a shoot we're trying to shoot 12 episodes we're in a foreign land lit literally foreign land i mean nobody spoke english other than the crew and the people who worked at the hotel and stuff so um we felt very much outsiders so we bonded and it was sort of life imitating art in a way, you know, it, we were on this little journey together for four and a half, five months out in this, in this crazy unknown place, which we grew to love. And so it was very, very similar to, to uh, what we were going through on screen. But the question is, did you all get the same tattoo like the hobbits? Ah, maybe that's, maybe that's if, if we get another <laughs> season. Maybe that'll be it. If we get to season 10, we'll all get the tattoo. There you go. So season 10, we expect tattoos. <laughs> so, I mean, what can the viewers expect from this show? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you're doing very well. We're not spoiling anything because the show isn't out yet. The 1st of Feb, and it's got to be so difficult to not yeah, yeah. drop anything. It, I'm it's really hard because also I don't want to ruin anything for everyone. But the only thing I would say is this show within an episode you might have nine things that i could give away it's like it's just i mean it's jam-packed at the the press launch we did last week i was saying just 
don't like go to the toilet before it starts don't go i'll just nip to the loo because you're going to miss loads it comes at you a, a million miles an hour every five minutes there's something going on and um it, it's 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 just full i mean they know what they're doing you know like they made independence day and, and stargate so yeah. it's it's they're not afraid of of big disasters they're not afraid of killing off some of your favorite characters and they're not afraid to also make you laugh like it's it's got a lot of gallows humor and a lot of fun within it as well so um no i'm very excited for people to see it we're in a lovely sweet spot at the minute as well because the world hasn't seen it yet so mm. we don't really honestly know you know like any anything you make any art you make whether it be a play whether it be a book whether it be a song there's a special moment that hangs just before you unleash it to the world. And then it becomes, then it's no longer your problem, you know, but right now it just lives within the people who made it. And that's quite a special little time. And obviously as of February the 1st, it goes out to the world and then we'll um, hopefully see if people like it. And, uh, and if they don't, then it, it was, it was the most wonderful experience and uh, I'm, I'm very proud of everyone on it, you know? Mm. I mean, coming coming slightly off off topic now from the arc. I mean, you've done so much stuff in your career so far. You've had the fortunate, uh, you know, you you've you've worked with so many amazing people. Is there one person that you've worked with that you've taken more from? You know, that you've learnt the most from, that's inspired you the most? Ah, uh, th- that's that's a really good question. I often. Um hear myself repeat things i just did it about an hour ago uh with my fiance in the living room she she's she's in rehearsals at the moment she's going to be in um in nick heitner's guys and dolls at the bridge theater and she's been in rehearsals all day and we were talking through something that happened i won't go into specifics and i regurgitated something that a much wiser much older much uh, more experienced uh actor had said to me and i honestly think that the way you accumulate wisdom in this business, if you're lucky enough, is to just work with a whole range of people. Um, don't get me wrong; it's always amazing to, to, if you're ever on set with those those actors that you admire and love, and you just try and soak in as much as possible. But it's the accumulated knowledge of of everyone, and, and great advice can come from all places. You know, there could be there could be some uh, young day player who tells you something, and you think, I've never thought of it like that. Or, I think Brian Cranston told a story I watched on a, a meme the other day. He was doing a bit with uh, Jerry Seinfeld on Seinfeld, and he, w- he didn't know how to do this bit. And the electrician shut it down and said, you know what would be funny? You should do this. And he's like, and then he went, oh, that would be funny. And he did it, and Seinfeld <laughs> loved it. And I just loved that. I loved the, how, the humility of him mm. to just go, not go, well, you're an electrician, just be like, great ideas can come from anywhere mm-hmm. so um yes i mean there's people i've been excited to work with and and i've gone off kind of giddy and thought i can't believe I've just spent a day on set with with x y and z but um the it's that accumulated knowledge that you get from working with a whole range of people which is is what's so exciting about this mm-hmm. job and then obviously um you know the first of feb have you got any plans? I know, obviously, it's not being shown in the UK just yet. Um, have you yeah. got any plans to be on his Instagram or Twitter or anything like that for the release? It's going to be four in the morning for us, I think. So, And I've got rehearsals that, that day. Is true. So I, I did say, I think they were like, are you going to live tweet? I said, no. I'm gonna, no. <laughs> not on your Nelly. Day. I'll be asleep. No, I'll do a good luck tweet before I go to bed. But um, <laughs> I've seen the pilot great and i'm sure i'm sure i'll uh, i'm sure people will love it so i'm excited i'm excited to wake up on thursday morning and see what they've said 
Then it's always. And one last question: If your movie, if your life was a movie, what mm. title would it have? <laughs> oh wow! Oh wow! What would it be? That's a great question. I've never been asked that question before. Well done. That doesn't happen very often. Um, <laughs> you might have to leave that with me, man. I'm trying to think of something witty and brilliant, but um, I can't. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, what kind of answers have you had in the past? Um, oh, some weird ones. Like kaleidoscope monkey something that someone said, and I was like, wow. Um, someone said blank. I've had loads. It's literally... Right. Mine, it always- would be, mine would be making it up as I go along. There you go. That's a good title, and you'll have to remember that for your memoirs because I'm sure that if you ever wrote a book, it would be filled with plenty of stories. It really would. But, Richard, you've been a great guest. It's been an honour. I look forward to the arc and everything that you do in the future. Thank you, my friend, and uh, keep safe and stay super. A little prayer to the Wi-Fi gods worked. We made it. Thank you for listening to Be More Super, the podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by PropStore.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Be More Super and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at Be More Super the Podcast and on Twitter at Be More Super. Keep safe and stay super.